Love Talk Radio. Good evening. Welcome to Provocative Thought. It's me known as PT. I am your host, Carlton Steed. Striving to awaken those who are asleep, stimulate those who are awakening, feed those who are starving, and nurture those who seek to know. Today, we have a special guest, Mr. Paris Harden. We will be discussing the pollution of sexual energy. Mr. Harden is a contemporary philosopher, and we're going to take a journey with him into the idea of self, social, media, and cultural subjugation, exploration, and objectification of sexual energy. As we know, sex is intercourse between a man and a woman. Energy is the relationship between one thing or object to another. Sexual energy, therefore, is kind of the relationship between one person, thing, originating from sex, including stimulation of thought and physical stimulation. Sex is a... Conditions of sex, sexual stimulation, should, uh, the, what, what conditions should sex take place? So the pollution of sexual energy has to do with the uh, presence of something harmful, making something not suitable or safe for use or corrupting that uh, thing. I mean, corrupting means it's not being used in the, for the manner or purpose it was intended to be used for. Therefore, you have this uh, subjugation exploration, exportation, and identification of, of the sexual energy. Uh, you can observe these things in, in different things uh, in the media uh, in terms of sexual uh, promiscuality portrayed in uh, the media films and the way that people uh, sexually exploit their bodies and their clothes, their style of clothing through the fashion industry and um, how people themselves objectify themselves in terms of how they behave, dress, and uh, expose themselves to uh, things that uh, support that type of behavior. Now, sex is a natural thing, so this we have a, a natural uh, audience, a captive audience, because everybody, uh, I'm going to assume, likes sex. Some people don't. We know that. But yeah, there's a, a large population of people who enjoy having sex and are are naturally are attracted to sex and things that stimulate them sexually. So our speaker today is talking about how these things get twisted, using speech terms. Pollution, Your guest speaker is on. Oh, okay. Welcome, Mr. Harden. Mr. Harden is a contemporary philosopher. Um... Welcome to the show. Uh, first, I'd like to thank uh, Mother For Real, Queen Mother For Real Media, 
for allowing me to be on the show, Mr. Harden, for participating on the show today. I also like to thank God for all this to happen. Hello, Mr. Harden. Yeah, thank you, Mr. I can't hear you. Hello? Yeah, can you hear? I hear you now. Just be a little louder and, and can you hear me? There you go. I got you. Okay, welcome Is to the show. Better? Okay, you sound a little in and out. All right. Is this better? That's real good right there. To have me as a host. And also I want to thank your your sponsor and your host of the radio show for uh, also having me out there. All right. Came up for real media. Uh, Mr. Harden, thanks you for uh, allowing him to be on the show, and I thank you again myself. Good evening, Mr. Harden. Uh, where should we start? Uh, you said a lot in the opening, but we can start with something that just hit my uh, my page today from Atlanta, Georgia, which was a poll that was done for 30 years on sex and advertisement and uh to nobody's surprise, their study had showed that they use alcohol, clothing, and uh, beverages. And the number one topic that they used it for in their ad was the awareness of teenagers. And one other thing that was alarming, and I didn't think that they would have this in their poll, was the adverse effect on black America and sexual energy through the media. Uh, this this poll was done in 1983 from this advertisement to the present time. Right. In, 19, in 1983, their polls taken from the top magazine, which was Playboy and Esquire, uh, Red Book, and a lot of the social media magazines that a lot of the European young girls would read, 17, and thus forth. 15% of the advertisement in those magazines were sexually content, had sexual content, and were directed to young girls. That was in 1983. Right. The poll shows that today, 2000, well, actually it was 2014, but coming into this era, that 43% of the advertisement is sexually driven which may give a good reason for the uprise in our social and our sexual deviancies that we're experiencing today. Mm. Sexual mm. anarchy that we see that uh, people are just doing what they want to do regardless of consequences and uh, ethical and moral responsibility. Is that what we're talking about? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, the, the poll shows that the drive for sex, the stimulant, and the joy and the pleasure of sex is very overpowering. And for young kids <clears throat> at the age of, actually, the study is actually talking about that at the age of two months old, that a baby is aware of their sexual behaviors, their identity. They're aware right. of that. They, mm-hmm. you know, we, see, we see babies doing a lot of touching and things like that, and we look at that as, you know, it, it doesn't mean anything. Right. But it it is something. It's something that's adapted to us. You know, it comes with our DNA. We know who we are. From birth, we are aware of that. But from birth, we are also unaware of how to be trained for something so natural. 
Right. So now we have children coming out, and before they can learn what's natural, through our society and advertising, they're learning everything that's unnatural, unhealthy. Right. Okay. You know, we 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 raise our children with telling them, you know, drink your milk, uh, eat your vegetables, stay away from strangers. But when it comes down to our bodies and our sexuality and the energy and how we should we should be, there's no information given, and that's to to a society that is corrupt and hell bent on making money and corrupting any and everything they can get their hands on through, through sexual content and advertising. Right. Okay, so let me let me let me shoot this at you a little bit. So sex is some some, some sex is something that feels good, right? So they're connecting that good feeling to whatever they want connected to. Is that right? Right. Connected to whatever brand and they found out that that brand will sell even more, whether it be a Coca-Cola or whether it be the difference between bikinis and panties. Right. Okay. So maybe um, in terms of automobiles, they connect sex to that as in being uh, sexually, being able to sexually connect with the uh, opposite or even the same sex. I mean, we're not having the same sex conversation here, but I'm saying maybe that's to attract someone sexually by having the power of having a, New car. Absolutely, because they associate sex with power. So a new car is, in fact, a new car is considered to be a, a female in sexual behavior to some men. You know, this is this is my car. This, she is my car. This is the car, you know, relating to the car as a woman. Right. So the uh, so you said relating to the car as a woman, is, could it be a phallic symbol for a man or something like that? I don't, you know, I'm just shooting out there. For the women, because the women are aroused by forms of power. So oh, a, man, okay. a man with a powerful car or the image of a powerful car arouses their that inward ability or, or their thinking of security. They may not be. They may not see the car as the phallic symbol, but it is a symbol of the man and his wealth and and his status. So they right. may take that as to being well. You know, he's well off. And if I get with this man, I'm doing well. It doesn't matter whether it's a car, it could be a doctor or occupation or whatever. Okay. Well, that, that, okay. So that sounds like he's a provider. So you get the attraction, the attention of women who are looking for a provider. They want to have a family. They want a man that can provide for them. Is that was correct. That. Right. That is correct. Which which would be a natural thing if we were living in a, a natural state of existence, if, you know, we were farmers and we had land and cattle and, you know, we, we were the warriors that we once were and still are, but we had to protect the family. Yeah, that would be uh, a great attribute. But the bottom, the other part to this is, is that that overstimulation of having that status corrupted as well because, oh. Because now the woman is not looking at the man for all of the contributions that a husband or a man will bring, but she's looking at it also for her selfish reasons for what she can get from it. And if she doesn't get it from him, she can get it from many suitors. So that's the advertisement. So all the men are advertising, I got a flashy car, I got the money, I got change. He's going to have many suitors. Therefore, many suitors are going to come. He don't have to. He can pick from all of them, and not pick one that's going to be to their lives. 
Okay, so this sexual energy um, permeates through the, uh, the relationship. How does that impact on the actual relationship, the uh, pollution of the sexual energy in terms of two people interacting with each other? How so uh, polluted or uh, corrupted is, is that? That would depend on the education of two individuals, but majority of today's individuals are already polluted from an early age through stimulation, from cartoons to television shows, radio, peer pressure, friendship. So they're already walking in with no understanding of the power of their sexual attraction to each other. So they abuse it. It becomes something that they can be abused because our society openly allows it as opposed to when we were younger, we didn't have as much sexual energy. I mean, if you found a, a porn magazine from one of your parents, it may have been one, and that was hidden. But today, our children have the Internet, cell phones. Uh, if you walk inside a 7-Eleven, you look at the magazine uh, rack over there, and you see everything. And the kids can pick up that magazine. In fact, to take it a little further, we have in Philadelphia a paper, which is called the City Paper. They can pick up the city paper and turn to the last couple pages of the city paper, and every sexual advertisement for them to look at, image or whatever, is to their disposal. Okay, so we have overt sexual stimulation, hyper uh, stimulation of sexual energy. So we have a hyper that produces a. Just on this out there again, that produces. I'm assuming that produces a hypersexual society. Is that right? That is correct. Okay, so hypersexual societies are 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 like a kid with ADHD in a classroom, they all over the place, right? Is that correct? That is hyperactivity. Correct. Is that right? That's correct. Okay, so so that hyperactivity uh, causes people to uh, um, Neglect moral responsibility, is that how that goes, or ethical responsibility? Is it, is it totally neglected because of the, the hypersensitivity to sexual activity and the desire to have sex? Um, is, that how, is that the way it's going? Is that what we're seeing? Um, you know, like people, you know, I'm, I'm, I remember myself a long time ago, you, you had to ask the parent, could you take somebody's daughter out? Now people take daughters out and bring them back pregnant. You know what I'm saying? And right. it doesn't seem to be too big of a problem these days, you know. And, you know, everybody's just doing what they want to do when they want to do it any way they want to do it. I'm, you know, I'm just at, trying to figure out, you know, are we are we that stimulated by sex that we uh, are it's sexual anarchy? Or, I mean, not, not everybody's doing that. You know, that doesn't happen in every household, but it seems to be more prevalent in terms of um, – Sexual or actual evidence of sexual activity with a baby is definitely uh, we can agree that a child is evidence of sexual activity, right? Yeah. Right. So in, in terms of that, uh, we see a lot more uh, of the evidence of sexual activity and uh, without uh, moral and ethical uh, standard, high ethical standards, uh, more frequently, at least more frequently, more than we've seen it saw a long time ago. It's nothing new. Right. It's nothing new. It, it, it's nothing new, but to add to what, what you were saying there, the, the group of people 
from a certain age group, uh, that middle age from, let's say, Betty, let's say it this way. Our parents, our parents were more focused on career, more focused on surviving, and also preparing uh, that generation for the next generation. What we have now is coming from early 1980s is a drop of parents having a concern for the next generation, but more of a concern to stimulate their own needs, whether it be, you know, a divorced household where the father leaves and the mother now can experience, you know, dating again or the father experiencing dating again, but they're in the middle ages and now there's a younger generation. And, you know, they're attracted to this younger generation, so they, so they try to fit in. As they try to fit into that younger generation to regain some of their sexual problems, they start to lay down the the morals and the ethics and become more childish and become more parallel with their own children and having open relationships as far as speech and talk and information that comes inside the household. Nothing's protected any longer. You know, uh, you know, I can smoke weed with my daughter. She's my best friend. Like me and my right. daughter, we talk about everything. Right. So there's a, a lack, and even in the uh, within the hierarchy of the family, in terms of uh, like you're saying ethics, and you smoke weed with your child. Like first you're smoking weed, second you're doing it with your child. Like a long time ago, people used to hide stuff like that, right, from their children, right? I'm just saying. Correct. Right, so it, it, and this one thing I've, I've observed being a, a case manager in, in the field of human service for about thirty years, I noticed that some parents allow their even their daughters to have their uh, teenage daughters to have their teenage boyfriends in the home with them. You know what I'm saying? So um, I, I'm throwing this out there now. I'm saying, look, maybe these teenagers, maybe society has not prepare these teenagers whose bodies are saying, I want to be with somebody, right? Maybe they're not, society is not preparing them to be the uh, uh, adults that they actually could be because their bodies must be saying something to them in order for all this sex to be going on with these teenagers. Is, are, we not, are we saying that you're 17, you shouldn't have sex at all, or can you be 17 and should you be married? Because there's no support in there for a 17-year-old to, to uh, get a job, a house, you know, and start, you know, making a sense. That's, that's very difficult for a 17-year-old to do that. You know what I'm saying? So maybe these people are acting out sexually because the society does not support them in having a family at that 15, 16, 17, you know, just thought that, out that, there. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that would take us into another topic, you know, on why that's done, you know, the organization of of keeping certain groups of people financially down and stimulated on everything else but survival. But that 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 is correct. Um as a manager, as a manager at one time, I had a young lady come to me, she was about sixteen years old. She was pregnant, she needed a job. Uh I was willing to give her the job, but the corporation that I worked for said she had to have working papers and it had to be signed by her parents. Well this young lady she didn't have parents. She was on her own. She was a runaway, on her own. She needed to right. educated. She could do the job of a cashier, but I can't give her a job, so she can't take care of her child. 
she can't even, if she had the baby, now she's looked upon as something totally opposite, you know, not responsible. We as a society, we don't train our young as animals would train their young. We don't see a lion not teaching the cub not how to hunt. But we tell our children that they can't talk about their organs or talk about sex till they're of a certain age, which is not natural. So it would be very unnatural or very natural for the condition that we're having right now. It's because, like we said earlier, it's the lack of what we're not giving them. They have no information, and the information that they're giving is distorted. All right, so the information that the uh, social um, media, entertainment media media has distorted uh, the sexual energy of people, and so the distortion, how come distortion of the energy is, it's not repelled by people. Why do they gravitate towards uh, seeking that energy, seeking to exploit the energy themselves, seeking to be uh, to be objectified themselves, self-objectification sexually themselves? Why do they do that? I guess it could be because everything is at a gradual stage. You know, remember when we would watch television and, we would see uh, Gilgan's Island. Marianne would have on a little short, you know, that was a gradual stage of America saying, oh, we can accept a little bit of skin. And they started there exploring and experimenting to see how far they can push the issue and the limits before it went overboard and create a big jump in how we are digesting what we see from movies, television, conversation. So it's been a gradual change, but now the change is no longer just gradual because we have devices that allow us to digest it and eat as much as we want. You know, uh, you know, guys would run to an X-rated movie downtown and there was a, uh, you had to be 18 or 21 to get in. Well, today right. you don't have to be 18 or 21 to get in to see a sexual movie. You have a device in your hand. You can go home and get on the internet. You can go to uh, a DVD to you, no matter what your age is. They don't ask questions. Right. Okay. So, all right. So that speaks to the uh, overexposure and 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 which is contributing to the hypersexual uh, behavior that we see. Stimulation, hyperstimulation which leads to the behavior, right? Because once you're stimulated, you want to satisfy that stimulation. Therefore, you find somebody to satisfy your uh, sexual desires. Correct, right? Right. There, okay. there is a, Good. You go. There are other areas, such as low self-esteem. Uh, these advertisers found out that they make more off of people who have low self-esteem of themselves uh, my lips aren't red enough, so I need to buy this red lipstick. Um, you know, my breasts ain't big enough. I need implants. So low selfish has a lot to play in it as well. Um, even with the study, it shows that a lot of women or young girls aren't as sexually active as boys are, but they have a lower self-esteem because they're being paraded. They see themselves as objects on a daily basis, and if they don't fit in, they know that I can fit in sexually because it's not something that they can't do. 
is something that they can do. So a young girl can say, I may not be the prettiest, but, yo, I got the biggest breasts. I got the biggest butt. I can do sexual acts that this other girl is not going to do, which is empowering because she gets to have the guys. She gets to make money, forms of prostitution. She gets the status with that. It builds her self-esteem, but it's a low form of esteem, but it's heightened to her because there's benefits that come with that. Excuse me, Carlton. Yes. Uh, you have callers online, and uh, I just want to remind you to let them know if they have a question or a comment to press 1. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. We have a caller. If anyone has a uh, question, please press uh, 1 when you um, dial the show. Caller, uh Hello? This is Provocative Thought? Yes, yes. Uh, do you want me to open up their lines? Yes, uh, yes. You have a 510 area code. 510 area code. Yes. Okay, we'll take it. Their uh, speaker is on. Hello, this is Carl the your host from Provocative Thought. Hello? And you also have a 267 number. Okay, I can't hear anybody. Oh, uh, because probably they're on mute and they're just listening. Oh, okay. All right, let's try to, uh, Mr. Hart, you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Okay, let's see if we get a, if we can get all the callers in on the conversation. We have two six seven all number. Let's take the two six seven. Hello. Hello, how you doing? Welcome to Provocative Thought. I'm your host, Carl Steed. Uh, how may we help? Hi, Mr. Steed. Um, I came into this this dialogue a little late, but I was listening to some of the things. Um. Mr. Hardy, is that is that the second person? Harry Hardy. Yes. Hardy. So what is your name? What is your name? Angie Marley. Angie Marley. How you doing, Angie Marley? Good, good, good. Welcome I think when I begin to ponder as I listen to Mr. Hardy speak, then I guess I begin to wonder. So how do you bring it back? How do you begin to? Um, I don't know if I want to say build the self-esteem in our young women. Um, begin to um, help our youth to uh, take greater interest in um, maybe advertising their intellect versus their body parts. Um, how, do, how do you begin the turnaround? How do you begin the um, the paradigm shift? How do you begin to get this generation um, through some of the founding principles that we were raised up on and um, believing, you know, that, um, hey, you should save yourself um, your virginity for marriage, um, that that it is a precious part of who you are. How do we get back to that kind of dialogue? Uh, okay. Uh, Mr. Hart, you want to tackle that? Yeah, what I have is maybe just a suggestion 
but I believe that everything starts within the household. Um, teenage kids don't have mortgages. They don't pay rent. So, therefore, parents need to take back their household. It's what's coming through the door. If this was a church, you know, my mother would say, you're not bringing that satanic stuff in my household. Um, right. Hello? Okay, yeah, so um, can I interject something? Well, sure. it sounds like we need to, we need a foundation. So we need a moral, ethical foundation. So and we need to adhere to that foundation. So we know nobody's perfect, right? So to say right. uh, to these kids, may uh, individuals, people may not uh, not have sex, but they may have sex, but they may have sex under certain conditions. Like under certain conditions, sexual uh, behavior should not take place. Uh, casual sex, uh, and uh, uh, primitive sex. Uh, can we agree on that? I well, agree on that. But, uh, I agree right. on that. I, mean, I think. Right. <laughs> I think. Well, our, yes, our, I think. Our, I think that's just a foundation for um, a perimeter of which it could happen or it should happen. Maybe that's what we need to talk about, where it should happen. I right. think. How about, we, how, about we, how about we eliminate where it shouldn't absolutely don't want it to happen, how we don't that, want that to occur? Absolutely not. Spur the moment of temporal and, of you know, um, just being promiscuous. How about that? How about uh, the guy that sleeps around with a lot of women? He's not cool. Mm-hmm. He's not a lover. He's not uh the guy, you know what I'm saying? How about he's not that guy, he's what he is? How about I, I, that? I, 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 I'm talking about a lot of girls, a female thing, but this is a, a male, female. It takes two people to have sex, right? Absolutely. And that's not a big um, sarcastic anything, but it takes two. And so we had to, we had to uh, um, direct our energy toward both male and female because well, we both have to respect each other because we can, we can seduce right, each other into doing things, you know what I'm saying? Because like you said, that energy is there in us. It, it's something that we are, are born to do, right? Because you said the baby is already doing that, right? Correct. Yeah. So we're, so we're attracted to each other. We're, we're attracted to sexual energy. We're attracted to anything that makes us feel good. What we have to determine is if under what conditions is it the good to feel good doing certain things. You understand what I'm saying? Right? Right. Like I, I think that, again, it may have to be an individual household and people laying down some foundational laws within their households because it's so far out of control that it's not just one group of people any longer. And the other problem that we have is, is that we have an organization, corporations, that make money from this. They're not willing to give up their millions of dollars. So, we have to combat against the media. We have to combat against how these ideas and imagery get into our kids' heads. So mm. that means from those devices, the clothing, the advertisement, the music, and majority of these things are given to our children or left to our children. Now, as a parent, I know I can't ward my children against everything out in the street, but when they bring it into the household, that's where they, they're learning of what they have been exposed to and how they should be able to handle that, but right. we don't we don't have that, you know. We're so, we're, we're having it being left open. So do you think, right. Mr. Harden? Hello. Yes. yes. Do you think, Mr. Harden, then that 
based on what you're saying, even if there's a drive to start this new dialogue, this new education of self, if I could say it like that, in the home, then you also have to question the education that the children are getting outside of the home because we also send our kids to some schooling somewhere outside of the home, most people. So then is your suggestion that maybe um, to be more successful with this mindset that we also need to begin to educate our kids in our own home, around our own foundational beliefs? Uh, I, 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 think, I think we have a distorted view of what we consider school. Uh-huh. Our, our, our school system is for children to come out and become economically enabled to help society. That mm-hmm. school is not going to give them the culture of the household, the laws of the household, the foundation of the household. Okay. So I think we need to leave school to what school does yes. and school is for what we have to do in our household. I would like to speak. Also, we have another caller that opens the line. We have another line. caller? Okay. Yes. Um, excuse me, I'm Mr. and Mr. Harden. We'd like to uh, welcome the new caller. Uh, please. Area code 215. Erico 215, welcome to Provocative Thought. Yes, hello. Um, my name is Susan, and I just have a, just, um, I want to just make a comment. Uh, look who all, all of the re- role models are. If you watch um, all these reality TV shows, and th- this is what all the young people have to look up to. How many different reality TV shows come on where husbands and wives and families and and they're all look at the way they dress, they flaunt all their possessions. So naturally, young people want the same thing. They want they want husbands and they want, you know, they want what they see on television. It's all rich and money and sex and powerful and you know, romance and that's what the young people have to look look up to nowadays is all these reality TV shows. Okay, um so um, I'm going to be the devil's advocate. What's wrong with wanting? We live in an economic society, a capitalist society, so um, you need money to survive here. The more money you have, the better life you can have here in terms of materialism and things like that, right? Exactly. Most of these reality TV shows are all about, you know, husbands and wives and having affairs and cheating and having their breasts all, you know, being dressed provocatively. That's right. Can I on that? Can I answer some of that? Yes, sure. sir. The first, the first thing we need to recognize is that anything that an organization that makes money off of false reality, we need, we need not to allow to be said it's a reality. It's right. It's television. It's the same problem that we have with young black guys who don't understand uh, rap songs. Is a rap song. It's a story that they want to make with their lives. So they have a, a hard time distinguishing between what's real and what's fake. So if we allow that to be said that that's a reality in our households, then it's a reality to our children. Until we tell them this is fake, it's not real, 
and it's not based on everyone's life. Yeah, it's great to want to have a good job and money, and but you you know nobody's doing it with class. Everybody's doing it with you know cursing and you cheated on me and and you know this. I, I'm you know it's just too much. You know nobody's doing it with dignity and class. It's always doing it with you know things that are not you know everything that you're talking about. So but is I it not a reality that people cheat? I don't mean to cut you off. But is it not a reality that people do cheat? Yep, it is. Okay, so why not? If that's a reality, why not have a show about? Ugh. Well, well, I'm just well, going it out there. I'm the devil's advocate. But it's I'm not. A, it's not anything to brag about or be proud of to cheat. So why why solicit negative things like that? That's where people are getting it all. Well. So and so, they cheated and they forgave me. And that happens. In reality, people cheat on their spouses and they're forgiven and they maybe sometimes just happily ever after. How about that? Well, sometimes they do, but but why yeah. why flaunt it? Why publicize negative stuff? I don't think. Oh, it's for money. Negative. You know they do it for money because yeah, we're attracted to negative. We're, we're attracted to negative. Oh, can we have another you know call? We have another caller. All right, yeah, uh, Susan. Uh, we appreciate you uh, your call tonight. We have another yep. caller. We want to try and get as many calls in as we can. Uh, next yep. caller, Thank please. You. Thank you very much. Two one five two. Two one five. Welcome to Provocative Thought. Hello. Hello. Yes. Oh. Welcome to Provocative Thought. Well, um, who am I speaking with? Um, my name is Q. Q. I beg your pardon? Could you speak up a little louder? My name is Q. Q, welcome, Q. Welcome to Provocative Thought. Um, if you have anything particular you want to share with us. Um, I'll just, uh, just wonder what your thoughts were on, um, the whole thing about the way people dress with uh, exposing themselves and everything like that. I was wondering, um, you know, what the feeling was about that, you know, cleavage or saggy pants and stuff like that. Oh, saggy pants or baggy pants? The saggy pants. And the, you know, saggy the pants, butt. like uh, uh, below mm-hmm. the glutes maximus? Yeah. Oh, okay. That kind of uh, stuff in the, in the cleavage out and all that kind of stuff. You cleavage know. out. Okay. Depends on what mindset you are, how you feel about that. You know, if you if you're the mindset where you are, uh, you want to objectify. Uh, excuse me, I'm just cutting in right. Uh, if you're the mindset of that you that you enjoy and desire objectification, then you like cleavage, right? Mhm. So and, yeah. and, and and you like saggy pants and off your butt and stuff like that. But I'm gonna let Mr. Harden uh, uh, answer that question. Okay, Mr. Harden, you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Okay, it, 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 did you hear what he said? Yes, sir. Okay. Are we just talking, are we saying about the clothing period as far as both male and female, or are we just... Male and female. He's saying, he's saying he's, he's, he had a question about what do you think about uh, cleavage, you know, and uh, the saggy pants below the gluteus maximus, that this new style these guys are um, wearing on the street now, and it's not just young guys, because I see guys in their 30s, late 30s all doing that too, so it's not just kids. <sighs> Right. I, I I think with the uh the sagging pants, which is 
studies have been done on that as well, you know, relating from prison. But I can't say that all of this is coming from prison. I think a lot of this is coming from the lack of, again, low self-esteem, acceptance, being cool, not being an eyeball or being left out. Um, on the male side, on the female hair side, pressure. hair pressure. On the female side, I believe it is, you know, it's like once their breasts start to grow, they start to feel, you know, differently. There's a chemical that's happening also. These these, these young girls are being called young girls, but their body is saying, I'm a woman. And, mm. uh, and, you know, with most animals, when certain parts of that body begin to grow, that's mating season. So right. we want to shut down a lot of people saying don't mate, but all the signs of mating are there. Right. So they start to objectify those things. So, oh, well, I can't really do what I want to do, but I feel this way, and society accepts me greatly. So that gives them, you know, a feel good. You know, guys are looking. They want that. I know, right. you know, everyone wants to be seen and, and valued. But it, the problem is, is that they're only being valued for body parts and not as a body as a whole, and that's right. where that problem falls in it. Okay. Right. Okay. So you don't think some of the guys are um, following that mating tradition themselves with that whole sagging down thing? They're not. None of those guys are trying to go that way with that. Well, the, the, the sagging, the sagging part is not a natural not a natural thing. The, the natural thing to do is to put something over your body, to cover your body. I mean, if they really wanted to say they go with no draws. They, they would say with no me. draws. So, yeah. Hold on for a minute, brother. Yeah. Uh, this is Kenny Jones. How you doing? I just want to say right. uh, welcome to the team, Carlton. And uh, it's a great show. I just want to say this before as the information you provided, the subject that you're speaking about is very provocative. And um, I look to see great, great more shows from you. And, again, I just want to give you an official welcome and, and thank uh, your guests for coming on as your introductory um, uh, uh, show. Uh, so um, I say good luck and uh, God bless and good night and uh, continue with the show. Thank you very much. Mr. Hart? Yes. Are you still there? Mr. Q, you still there? Still here. Okay. So what were you guys saying? I was just saying, uh, in my opinion, I think some of those guys are also trying to do a little bit of that, um, what you call it, the courtship thing, whatever like that. I think that's part of some people's thing. Maybe not. A lot of them, but I think a certain percentage of them, they're trying to get that attention, just like a chick trying to get her cleavage out. Oh, they're trying to get attention, you say? Yeah, they're trying to get somebody to look at their ass like they want somebody excuse me, look at their behind, just like a woman wants somebody to look at her cleavage. Right. In that so way, to attract somebody. Okay, so a woman um, objectifies herself in the effort to exploit her sexual energy to gain sexual power by being all sexually desired by many. Right. By right? Whoever, you know what are you saying? By, by whoever, but yeah. By whoever, many. We, I just said many people. So whoever. Right. It may be an individual right. or individuals 
she maybe she gets a sense of power because they all want me. Right. Maybe she wants to be desired by everyone. Maybe I don't. I don't know. I don't know if that's a woman's desire. Desired by me. Everybody, we're gonna wrap it up for tonight. I wanna thank everyone, including Mother for Real Media, Mr. Hard, and all our guests that called in for the night. Thank you for calling. Provocative thought, intimate known as PT. Will not be televised. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in and turn on and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on stag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. And I want to thank Queen Mother for real media. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox and Forefathers without commercial interruptions. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading the charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew to eat hog moths confiscated from the Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the shape of a war theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve.